85% of all, of all actions are reactions. And God brings trials in our lives and allows us to have trials in our life just for us to magnify Him by the proper response. You can't control what people do to you, but you can control how you respond to them. Say amen. And folks, it's been a blessing over the years to ask God to give me grace not to get in the flesh and quit this church. Because I have been tempted many times to throw in the towel because I was hurt so bad by people. I even tried to go after my family one time. And I will tell you something, God made that trial a blessing. Amen. So, folks, it's, it's easy to react in the flesh and get hurt and quit and, uh, and turn from God. But the Bible says that all people might see. I mean, that song says that all people might see. God's going to make this trial a blessing so people will see. See you? No, see God. And so, folks, a spirit-filled Christian does not react. They respond in prayer and say, Lord, give me a blessing through this trial. Amen? So that's maturity. And read the book of James sometime, and you'll see uh, how to react and how to act uh, when you're hurt. I mean, really hurt. And so uh, thank God for the blessing. They were interviewing that pastor, and they said, uh, uh, I don't know why he was even being interviewed, but he said, I know one thing, I'm going to uh, give the organs of my son that somebody else might live. And then he said, they said, how are you going to handle this? He says, I can't handle it, but if God allowed it, I'm sure he's going to give me the grace to stand it. And boy, he took a stand for God right there while he buried two teenage sons um, today. So uh, that is, that's the trial. I mean, you think you got trials. Probably when you look around, your trials aren't like real trials, you know, compared to what some people are going through. So that touched my heart. You pray for that dear pastor. I wish I knew his name, but I'm praying that that liver goes to the right place. Amen. And the heart and everything else. Amen. So thank the Lord. Good song, Brother Travis, Miss Debbie. Appreciate that. You know, many people are lukewarm about their sanctification. I want to explain what sanctification is tonight in a special way by going to the book of John chapter 17, the real Lord's Prayer, the real Lord's Prayer. Luke 11, Matthew 6 is not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. The Lord would never pray, uh, uh, deliver me from temptation and, and, uh, and deliver me from evil. Uh, folks, he didn't have to, and he and he'd never pray, forgive me uh, for sinning as the disciples need to because he never sinned. Amen. But I want to tell you something. He prayed the greatest prayer that I've ever heard in John 17. This is the real Lord's Prayer. He's going into the holies of holies. And if you could have heard this prayer as John did, you'd have tried to write it down too by the Holy Spirit and give it to us some 2,000 years later. The saints are very special people. Amen. Uh, a few years back I was looking. I don't know why I was there, but I was in the Catholic Church. Not worshiping now. I can't even understand their Latin language. Dead as a doornail. Amen. If I had to go there every Sunday, I would be in trouble or whatever. But uh, there was all these uh, spaces in the hallway, uh, you know, like cubicles or indentions, you know, all the way down the hallway. And I was dumb 30. I think I was about 27, 28, just started the church. And the builder wanted me to build this building and he said I got a church I built I said where is it he says the Catholic church 
And so I said, well, I'll go in there as long as nobody knows I'm going in there. And I went in all these cubby holes all the way down. And I thought to myself, and I said, the stupidest thing recorded in a Catholic church. I said, you know, this church has more water fountains than any church I've ever seen. Are you going to have more water fountains? It wasn't water fountains. It was statue uh, places. It was saints' cubby holes. It was just little places for saints uh, all down the hallway. And I will tell you something, folks. Saints are not statues in a church. Saints are the believers of God. And we're either saints or we ain't. We're either in or we out. And I will tell you something, folks. The reason we're called saints is because God has ordained that we be sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart for special service. And so the disciples are hearing one of the greatest prayers on this earth. And I'm going to read and preach so I won't have you stand in honor of the word of God. Just, just stand in your heart because I'm going to read and preach, read and preach. But I want you to look at verse 1. It says, These words spake Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Lord, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may, may glorify thee. Now, number one, sanctification glorifies God. When you don't quit, when you don't pout, when you don't become pitiful, and when you don't get angry at people or upset or just feel like recanting, or if you don't blend in with the stinking carnal world, God gets the glory. Because it's only by the glory of God that you can be a saint. And you sanctify yourself in prayer and the word of God. But look at verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true and uh, God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, folks, if you want to know how to have eternal life, here it is in this verse. Know Jesus. Amen. There's only one way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth. Truth and, and, and folks, he is the life, he's the, he's the truth, he is the way, he's not a way, a truth or a life. Eternal life, uh, verse 3, is defined that you might know thee. By the way, I'm going to say the bottom line of my whole message in case you pass out or leave. Sanctification comes through a relationship. You'll never miss the will of God if you know him, if you love him. If you hear him through the word and, and, and speak to him through prayer and walk with him in the spirit, uh, you'll never miss the will of God. That's sanctification. Sanctification is a great doctrine in the Bible. Uh, saints are special people. Look at this. It says in verse uh, 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, the Lord is about to pray that the Lord will sanctify him afresh and he will God would. And so, folks, if you are sanctified, you glorify God and you finish the work which God gives you to do. Look at verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He's going back to heaven by the way of the ascension and the death, burial, and resurrection. And he says, it's going to be glory. And then he said, I'm eternal. Jehovah's Witnesses believe he's a created being. That's blasphemy. That's heresy. Folks, he said, what I had with thee before the world was. So it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
I was talking to someone this week that visited our church, and, and she asked some of the greatest questions I've ever had asked me about the gospel and about eternal life and about the possibility of losing your salvation, which they don't believe that, uh, and thank God they don't because it's scriptural to believe that he gives you eternal life. But folks, I want to tell you something. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, comes in your life when you're saved. The charismatic believe it's a second blessing. It's not a second blessing, it's the blessing. And then there's many thousands of blessings by yielding to the Spirit of God. Amen? But you can't divide the Holy Spirit into portions and get half of Him when you're saved and half of Him later. You get all of the Holy Spirit, all of Jesus, and all of God. The trouble is He don't get all of you. And that's where sanctification comes in. You set yourself apart. You live holy. There's not a passion and a burning desire for people to be holy these days and be clean. The churches that are packed out tonight, if they, they don't even have church on Wednesday, is those that uh, you don't have to be holy. You can have a good time and you, can, and you can have a concert and you can come as you are and leave worse than you were. And folks, that's not holiness. They're looking for happiness. And that's all right, but I want to tell you something. Holiness always precedes happiness. Sanctification precedes satisf satisfaction. You're satisfied in Jesus and you're satisfied in the will of God. You'll never find it out of the will of God. I don't care how many bo bottles of pills you pop or how many drugs you take or how many uh, uh, fifths of liquor you drink, you'll never find satisfaction in this world. Never, never. Look at this now. It says, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Now notice that. He said, there's some men that I'm taking out of the world. But he didn't mean kill them and take them to heaven. He says, they're not going to be worldly. They're going to live for God in sanctification. This whole prayer is that God might sanctify his disciples. And you are one of them. It says, thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and, I have, and they have kept thy word. Now look, look at verse, this is, this is so wonderful. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are thee. For I have given unto them, verse 8, you with me? The words which thou gavest me, and have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Now listen, he's praying. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them. That's you, disciples, which thou gavest me, for they are thine. Here's the principle of sanctification. You're not your own. God bought you with a price. God created you as I preached on Sunday night. And God sustained you and you're not your own. He has a threefold right for your whole life to be sanctified. Now look at verse 10. And all mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. Again, the motivation for glorification or sanctification is that he's glorified. Not that it makes you some super-duper Christian, makes you so spiritual. You know, I, 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 some movements, they, they go around bragging how many gifts they've got and how, many, how much they can speak in tongues. And, and it's almost like they're, they're, they're condescending uh, towards us that do not believe in um, the manifestation through healing and raising the dead and, and the apostolic gifts. The Hebrews chapter 12, verse... Three said that, or chapter 2, verse 3 says that 
the disciples were authenticated by signs. I'll tell you how we're authenticated, the Word of God. Amen. We don't need signs and signals. Matter of fact, Jesus said, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. You ought not be seeking after signs. You ought to be seeking after the Savior. But I want to tell you, the greatest sign on this earth that Jesus is real is your life. Sanctified. Sanctified. Thrilled, filled, and satisfied with the, with the fullness of the Spirit of God. Now, where was I? Verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But look at this. Verse 11, it says, And now I am no more in the world. He's about to be crucified. But these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thy name those whom thou givest me, that they may be one as we're one. Now, folks, how are we kept? We're kept in his name. His name is Jesus. His name is Lord. His name is Almighty God. And you could go on with all the names of God. And I don't have time to go through all of them. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's God, He's the very God, He's Lord, and there's nobody like Him. He's unshakable, uh, folks, he, he is uh, unchangeable, He's God and God alone. And I want to say this, friend, you're kept in Him. And long as the head's above the water, the body's not going to drown. Say amen. And long as the head's in heaven, you're going to get there one day. And you can either go first class or second class. First class is sanctification. Uh, Miss Amy can get on that plane tomorrow and stand the whole time. She'll still get to Quasar or Kuzar or Dozar or wherever she's going uh, in the Middle East. Uh, but I want to tell you something. If she got sense and she has a lot of travel sense, she'll sit down. If they give her first class, she'll lay down. Amen? Which they won't give her. Uh, we're just praying for emergency aisle so she can stretch out. And I'm really praying for that in two weeks. Y'all pray with me. Amen? God will intervene. I'll throw everybody out the plane if I can just get a wide aisle to do it. But I want to say this. Folks, you can either go to first class or you can go second class. You can get there. You'll be saved. But I want to tell you something. If you'll get baptized and if you'll get uh, yielded to the Spirit of God, you can go first class and sit down, buckle up, and not worry about this flight. Amen. I'm talking about the Christian life. You can either go first class or you can just get there by the skin of your teeth. You'll still get there, but you'll lose rewards. Before you get there, the Lord will chasten you. By the way, if you can lose your salvation, why does the Father bother chastening you? Why don't just kick you out of the family, get saved again? Kick you out of the family, get saved again? I'll tell you why, because he's a perfect father, and a perfect father doesn't disown his children. And he doesn't, dis and he doesn't divorce his bride. He's God. And so, folks, one of the things you ought to be satisfied with is your security in Christ, eternal life. It says this, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, those that gavest me. I have kept, and none of them is lost. How about that? But the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now, Judas was never saved. Some people say he was saved, lost salvation, baloney, with mustard and ketchup on it. There is no way Judas was saved. He was a son of perdition. That means he was a son of the devil. He was planted there by the devil. And uh, folks, listen. If you have trouble getting along with people, you ought to go, you ought to, go to the disciple meetings with the, with the son of the devil. Amen? But they didn't let it shake them. They didn't quit. They didn't get all upset. They just kept on serving God, and the Lord took care of Judas. And I want to say this, friend. He lost none of them except 
the son of perdition who was never saved. Now I'm going to get to the text. And it says, Now come I to thee, and these things I speak unto the world, that you might have, have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The greatest, most joyful life is sanctification. Now look at verse 14. I have given them the word, and the world hate hath hated them, because they are not of the world. That's the definition of sanctification. They're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And that's the model of sanctification, Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. In other words, be witnesses. Don't get contaminated. You don't need to be isolated. You just don't need to get contaminated. Look at this. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now here's the verse I've been trying to get to. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then it goes on, verse 18 through 21, it says, And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. Here's the true reason God did not kill you when you got saved. For you to be like Jesus. And be a witness. And be a soul winner. And to be sanctified. Look at verse 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself. Jesus praying now. He said, I sanctify myself. I set myself apart. That they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them. You know who that is? Us. It says the ones that the disciples are going to reach. That's us. It says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that all may be one as thou Father art in me and I in thee and that they may be one in us, and here it is, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me, where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. Look at verse 26. I have declared unto them thy name, and I'll declare it that the love wherein thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. What a prayer. Why don't we pray before we try to preach some of this? Father, thank you for this prayer of sanctification. Thank you, dear God, that you have called us to be sanctified, not petrified. We ought to have the joy of the Lord. But God, not satisfied with our spiritual growth, but always abounding in faith and love and joy and peace. And Lord, always studying and always being in the right kind of church where we can grow and be more like you. So Lord... Help us, help us, dear God, to realize part of the stewardship of life, managing our life, uh, fulfilling our life, being what you want us to be, is through the miracle and the discipline of sanctification. Lord, may we be an answer to your prayer tonight in Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want you to notice what sanctification is. It's to, it's to be separated from sin and devoted wholly to God's presence. It's set apart for a holy purpose. 
2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 says that we ought to uh, be holy and depart from the filthiness of the flesh. And folks, holiness is not a bad word. And some Baptists don't believe in holiness, but I, I'm a Baptist that believes in holiness because holiness means godliness. And godliness means godlikeness. Your goal in life while you're on this earth is to be like Jesus. Folks, there's no other goal better than that goal of being like Jesus. Folks, uh, number three, all saved or sanctified in Christ Jesus. He sets you apart. That's positionally. We're set apart for, from common things. We're no longer our own. And it's really practicing our, our, our position in Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, and I want you to turn there because it's some of the strongest verses in the New Testament to tell you who you are and how you ought to live and what your goals ought to be in life and your priorities in life. And principles in life. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Turn with me there, please. Just next door, a few doors. It says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That proves right there when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in. Which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own. For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. That's a little S. You don't get depressed, you don't get mad, you don't give up, you don't pout, panic, and quit. You just pray, and you thank God for the tribulation. <clears throat> I couldn't believe that pastor <clears throat> was saying, well, God allowed it, so I guess God's going to have to help me get through it. And what he was saying, he's expressing his faith, that he, he couldn't make it without him, but he was going to yield to God. <clears throat> and, and, and I know his heart was broken. Two sons going home from church. After he preached to them. <clears throat> the Bible says also that we ought to glorify God in our body. And the only way you can glorify your body is give it back to him. You're his tool. And you're not tool for a task, you're a tool for the master. And that tool is in the hands of the master. You do what he says do. You go where he says go. You know, my heart's broken tonight. I don't want to see Amy leave, but I don't want to be selfish. We've got a family over in South Africa. God's called her to be in South Africa. But every time she comes home, it breaks our hearts. She has to leave because we're mom and daddy. But I'd rather her leave in the will of God and for the glory of God than to leave because of sin or because of some selfish endeavor. I'd never let her go to South Africa with anybody just to make money. I'd tell the husband, say, listen, come over here and make money, praise God. But I sure would endorse somebody going to South Africa to be missionary. But it's not easy. Give your life. Sometimes uh, people have asked Amy about, uh, did she feel called to South America? And then did she feel called to South Africa? And she always answers, I, I, I'm called to be Mark Coffey's wife. And wherever he goes and wherever he leads me, that's where I'm going. And I'll be fulfilled by being a submissive wife to the man of God that God's given me. I think that's a good answer. And I'll tell you this, friend, sanctification means you're submissive. Three stages of sanctification, Brother Cody. There's positional sanctification. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. And Hebrews 10, 10 says that you're, 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 you're saved, and when you're saved, you're set in a better place. You're already there, positionally speaking. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, uh, real quick. The Bible says this. 
by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And folks, and it says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never be take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. And folks, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, turn back there please, and verse um, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, it says, and that by two immutable things, 618, it says, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who had fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. That hope's a hope so, but it's a hope I know so, and I'm going to heaven. Look at this. Which hope we have is an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. I don't sound like you can lose your salvation to me. It says, in which entereth into the, to that within the veil. Folks, listen, our hope is in Jesus, and Jesus is already there. And if we're his body, the head's already there. We're going to be there one day when we die, or the rapture takes place. Look at verse 20. Whether it, uh, the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Folks, he's saying, hey, listen, the priest is ever interceding for us. Folks, he's praying for us. He, he prayed uh, in the garden with uh, John 17, but now he's praying on the right hand of God, and that is our sanctification positionally. See, positionally, I live in heaven, but I live at 1100 Sunset Drive. My body's still down here, but my soul's already there. I'm already there. I'm in Jesus. If Jesus is there, I'm there. And so, folks, how in the world can you lose salvation? That means you lose heaven and you get kicked out of heaven because you're in the anchor of your faith, which is up, not down. He's in, in heaven. And that's what those verses say. We're positionally sanctified. We have a new position. We're heavenly saints. But number two, and this is what we're preaching on tonight, we're progressively sanctified. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18 says that we uh, uh, should shine in the light from glory to glory. We ought to be metamorphosed, changed, uh, and being changed by the grace and power of God. Ephesians 5, 25 says, Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. But verse 26 says that he might present a church without spot or wrinkle, holy, unblemished. And folks, that's our goal. We're not there yet. But that ought to be our goal every day to be sanctified. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. I want you to look that verse up. Verse 23 through 24. 1 Thessalonians 5. All the books in the Bible with T's are together and they're alphabetical. That'll help you find them. Don't help me a bit. I'm still trying to find 1 Thessalonians. Let me just say this. It's right before 2 Thessalonians, okay? But look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That was a joke. Y'all can loosen up a little bit. Some of you got water in your ears or something. Amen. Come on. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Here's a great prayer. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who will, will who'll do it. But above that it said, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying or preaching, prove all things and hold fast, abstain from all the appearance of evil. You ought to stay from the appearance of evil. A dear lady broke down about th four blocks from here, blew a head gasket, walked in the church. Jason thought I already left, but it was 
only five o'clock, so we're still here. And she said, I, I need a ride. And I was so proud of him. He says, I can't give you a ride. I'm not going to drive you anywhere. That seems heartless, but that's the appearance of evil. If he just took off with a lady about his own age, and so he came to my office and said, oh, you're still here. Can you go with me to take this lady to Kroger's where she can meet somebody from East Ridge and take her home? And we witnessed to her and talked to her, said she was a saved dancing in the spirit Catholic. I never met one of those before. Amen. But we witnessed to her and tried to win her Lord, gave her some money and left her at Kroger's to shop. You know, amen. I should have took her to Food City. They don't have a bar. But anyway, um, it's progressive sanctification. Folks, and listen, I want to tell you something. That means you ought to be separated, even abstain from the appearance of evil, much less be evil. I don't believe Christians ought to drink. I don't believe Christians ought to dope and smoke. I don't believe good sanctified Christians ought to go to nightclubs. I don't even believe sanctified Christians ought to listen to rock and roll music. Let me really make everybody mad. I don't think sanctified Christians ought to listen to country music. You know, if you play rock and roll music back, they got all these sublineal uh, messages about Satan and stuff. You play country uh, music back, you get your horse back, you get your wine back, and you get your ex-lover back, amen? I'm just joking, amen, but you know, I don't listen to it much, but I'm going to tell you this, friend, I believe it's a waste of time, amen? I believe it's a, a total waste of time. If you're, if you're sanctified, you ain't got time to fill your mind with junk. As a man thinketh, so is he. And it ought to be things of peace and lovely and good report. Look at Philippians 4.8. You want to sanctify yourself, start with your mind. Sanctify your mind with the truth. That means godly music, godly entertainment, godly everything. Amen? You say, well, that's just taking it too far, being so godly. Well, what in the world are you saved for then? To be worldly? To be uh, straddling the fence? No, you're saved to be sanctified. You're saved to... Give your whole body, your whole spirit, your whole uh, disposition, your whole soul to the Lord and be blameless and preserved blameless before the coming of the Lord. Didn't say perfect, said blameless. There ought not be a whole lot of people pointing a finger at you at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. I know you're not going to be perfect, but you shouldn't be worldly. Now look at uh, last but not least, there's eternal sanctification. And one day, praise God, when we're like him, we'll be truly sanctified. 1 John 3, 2 says we'll, we ought to pure, purify ourselves as he is pure, but one day we're going to be like him. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 17, the last verse says, when will you be satisfied, psalmist? David says, when I, when I awake in his likeness. Folks, the only time you'll ever arrive is when you get to heaven. Say amen. Until then, it's a battle. Say amen. I mean, it's a battle. Flesh, the devil, uh, it's always against you. Uh, folks, uh, trying to drag you down to be a commoner. When you're not, you're a saint. Saints are very special people. You're called to be a saint. Not some guy in a cubicle in a Catholic church. You're called to be a living saint. Saintly. Sanctified. Thrilled, filled, and set aside for God's glory. So that sounds like the most boring life in the world. I'll trade you the worst day in the will of God with your best day out of the will of God. And mine will top it 10,000 times. Amen. I mean, I want to tell you something. Christians are, got more peace during tribulation than lost people do. And worldly people. I'll tell you what, you'll be worried all the time if you're worldly because you'll be wondering which way they're going to drag you next. 
Who can I please next? I want to tell you something. When you're sanctified, it narrows it down. You got one person to satisfy. You got one person to please. Folks, a worldly Christian is always trying to please everybody else, trying to dress like everybody else, act like everybody else, be popular, be accepted. Uh, let me just say this worship's not about you, coming to church is not about you. Hey, folks, studying the Bible is not about you. What we need to do is die to self where we're not important anymore, only God's glory. And if we're persecuted, be faithful. If we're hurt, be faithful. If we're down and out, be faithful. If we feel like quit, quitting, be faithful. Why? Because His glory is at stake. And by the way, if you're tempted to act like a heathen during the week, get right with God. Because you are low-rating the name of God by the way you treat your family. By the way you date. By the way you react. By the way you live for your selfishness all week long. I'm going to tell you something, friend. There is a judgment upon a Christian that's worldly. And the judgment is you don't bring glory to no, no God at all. You bring glory to yourself. And you're not even full of glory because you're full of, of worry and strife vainglory and hate and anger and mistreating people and I want to tell you something you're miserable and you're a miserable testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ amen can I preach tonight supposed to be a little Bible study but I'm going to rear back and preach if you're a hypocrite you are bringing glory to the devil and to the world and to the flesh and not to God and so the cure for hypocrisy is sanctification you just set aside yourself. You just get filled with the Spirit of God. Let me close real quick. Um, the means of sanctification. The means of sanctification. God works in and through His truth. Satan works through lies. You want to know what God wants you to do and be and how He wants you to react and how He wants you to transact, how He wants you to live? Then get in the Word. Let the mirror of the word shine upon your soul where you get convicted about your worldliness. Amen. Look at this now. And I know you all the cream of the crop. I ought to say this for Sunday morning. But I'm going to preach it anyway. But I want you to look at um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Th Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want you to look at um, uh, verse 13. But we are bound, we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, be, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to, to the attaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or, or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comforts your hearts, establish you in every word and work. You know what that's saying? You're steady. You're faithful. And you're predictable. And you're holy on Monday as you are on Sunday. You're reading your Bible on Tuesday as well as on Sunday. You're praying on Wednesday morning as much as you're praying on Wednesday night. That's called sanctification. 
Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And if you think you can walk in a church and get instant happiness, you've got another thought coming. You might as well go join the Pentecostals or the contemporaries if you think that just walking in the buildings is going to give you a shout. Now, I'll tell you what will give you a shout every day living for God. Every day obeying God. Every day abiding in Him and His words abiding in you and you have answers to prayer. And His joy is full. And His joy remains in you. And God is glorified. That's John 15, 1 through 11. Read it sometime. And folks, that's the Christian life. You're not a branch on Sunday. You're a branch on Monday through Sunday. He's the vine. We're abiding in Him. Folks, sanctification means you're letting Him flow through you. You're letting Him be who He is. There's fruit that's abounding. The fruit of holiness, Romans 6, 22. The fruit of love, Galatians chapter 5, 22. Joy, peace, meekness. Temperance. Praise God, you, you can control your temper when you're in the Spirit. Out of the Spirit, you might kill somebody. Say amen. You ever been in the flesh driving in Atlanta? It's dangerous, say amen right there. It's dangerous to be married in the flesh. You might slap each other. God help you. Any man that touches a woman's a coward. Say amen. And any woman that beats up her husband needs to get humbled. <laughs> but I want to tell you, it happens all the time. We're laughing, but it happens all the time. We beat each other up with words and cut and criticize. What, what kind of life is that? Say amen. So what's got you riled up? The devil, the flesh, and the world. But I'll tell you what's got me cheered up. We're sanctified in and through God's truth. Hey, you need this, you need this truth more than you think you do. You need Sunday school more than you think you do. It's not about you and it's not about your little fellowship class. It's about his word. It's about his word. It's about his word. You need to soak it up. How about Sunday morning? We, we learn why our church is set up the way it is. We're independent Baptists by conviction biblically. That was good to know. That's good to know that we don't have to have an overseer come here and kick me out every three and a half years like the Church of God does from Cleveland, Tennessee. We don't have to have a cardinal, pope, or uh, whoever to say you've got to move to another place. We don't have to have a Methodist overseer. We don't have to have even an associational missionary. When I came to town, an associational missionary called me up and said, you can't name your church what you're going to name it. I said, I want to tell you something, buddy. We'll name it whatever we want to because you're not going to be overseeing it. We're independent Baptists. I tried to be nice, but I was 27, so I was a little cocky. I, I've got calm since then. Say amen. But I didn't want somebody calling me up and saying, you can't name your church Victory Baptist Temple. And then I found out there's one old dancer road. So I said, yeah, he's right. I can't. I got to go find another name. All the tracks, all the brochures, all the stuff, down the drain because some guy didn't put his church in the paper or put his church in the, they couldn't afford it probably. And uh, there was another Victory Baptist Church. I went over there and checked it out. There it is. But we can't be Victory Baptist Temple. That's what our name was originally going to be. So we named it Whitfield. Then he called me back up and said, Whoop, you can't, you can't call it Whitfield. I said, why? The associational missionary called me and said, you can't call it Whitfield because there's a North Whitfield in Tunnel Hill. I said, hey, buddy, that's another town 
Tunnel Hill's in another state, isn't it? We're going to keep it Whitfield Baptist, amen. Try to tell me what to do before I even got in town. Folks, I want to tell you who tells me what to do, God. And it's a trembling thought to think that God is my boss. I got a baseball cap somebody gave me. God, Jesus is my boss. I wear that to public places and they think I'm crazy. But he is my boss. And I fear him a lot more than I fear you. Say amen. He keeps me a lot straighter than you do. I'm telling you what, we ought to fear God and know he knows all about us. Any experience that helps us love Christ, listen to this now. Any experience that helps us love Christ more, learn the word of God better, and yield to the control of the spirit is an experience of sanctification. Can somebody say amen right there? If that is what sanctification is, count me in. Anything that helps us love Christ more, learn the Word of God better, and yield to the control of the Spirit, that is sanctification. And Jesus is praying for His disciples to be sanctified. Why? Let me give you the motive of sanctification. I'm going to have to quit. Kids will be out in 15 minutes. I want you all to warm up and get them. Sanctification is not for spiritual display, but it's for the decoration of the gospel. Go back to John 17. Look at verse 18. It says, Sanctify them through the truth. The truth, the word is truth. That's verse 17. But look at verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. Now, why was Jesus sent into the world? He came to seek and to save those that were lost. John 20, 21 says, As the Father sent me, so send I you. He came to witness of the Father. He came to display the Father. He came to make manifest God. And folks, I want to tell you something. The same reason we need to be set apart from the world is so that the world might know that God is real. And folks, if that's not a good purpose for living, I don't know what is. And the only way you can do it is be sanctified. Turn to Acts 4.13. Acts 4.13. Acts 4.13. That's why if you're, will, if you're not willing to yield your life to God, don't go out and try to be a witness because you won't be. I don't care how many times you take the Romans road and tell somebody how to be saved. You need to live like Christ. Acts 4.13, we'll close. Acts 4.13. The Bible says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men. Now that don't mean that they were not college graduates and that they were just dumb it meant they were unlearned and ignorant in the law. They were not scribes. They were not Pharisees. But look at this. They marveled and took knowledge of them. Why? That they had been with Jesus. Sanctification is that we are sanctified not only from sin, but unto service. Jesus said, sanctify them to the truth. And the same reason I came, I'm sending them. And I want them to be proof positive evidence that I'm real, and that you sent me. And so, folks, listen, without sanctification, your testimony is weak as water. Without sanctification, you're not a good model of Christ. And after all, isn't that why God kept us alive after we were saved? That we might magnify him? That we might model his love. That's why marriage is so important. You model his love the way you treat your wife. And your kids 
get a terrible model if you mistreat your wife. If you, mis, if you, if you neglect her, you don't love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves and your husbands as the Lord. It's a great picture of sanctification. And folks, we're sanctified, Ephesians 5, 26, that we might present a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. So it's all for His glory. Here it is, set apart to serve like Jesus and to magnify His name. Jesus Christ is our, is our best model. He came to this earth, humbled Himself, came of no reputation, and He didn't come for the stock market. He didn't come to watch the Super Bowl. That's a touchy subject, especially you Saint fans. Saint fans, suing the NFL, my word. But anyway, and that was a bad call. But anyway, Saint fans, listen, listen to me real quick. God didn't send Jesus to keep up with the NFL. God didn't send Jesus to get rich. God didn't send Jesus to have fun. God didn't send Jesus to uh, win the lottery. God didn't send Jesus to be happy and to have a fulfilled life. He sent him to glorify the Father. That's the same reason he sent you. So I'm talking about the stewardship of life is learning the purpose and the priority and the philosophy of life. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You're saved. You're sustained. And God's given me almost 68 years to be sanctified. And he saved me when I was 11 and a half years old. My daddy had a bad drinking problem. Burnt the house up, wrecked the car. It was terrible. God saved me. Well, I'd been just like him. And I'd have lived beneath my privilege. Probably ended up in jail. Probably ended up a drunk. But God saved me. And then he sanctified me through his word. And one day he called me to preach. I was so shy I didn't speak to my sister when I was growing up. I didn't speak to anyone. When I went down and made my call to preach public, they all looked in amazement and said, What? He don't speak to anyone. He's shy. It must have been a mix-up. It's his cousin Alfie that he's the outgoing person, and he's, he's the one that ought to be the preacher. But I want to tell you something, folks. I'm glad God called me. But he called me not just to be a preacher. He called me not to be lukewarm after sanctification. He called me to have a passion for him. Are you sanctified? Are you sanctified in the word? Not if you're not reading it. When's the last time you picked up your Bible at home? Compared to how much you watch sports, how much you watch God. Compared to how much you watch the news or watch a movie, how much you how much you listen to God? Compared to your music, what, what percentage of your music's about Jesus? Or it's about John Wayne riding off in the sunset. That's who I'm named after, John Wayne. Forgive my mama. What percentage of your life is dedicated to being what God wants you to be? That'll tell me a lot about your sanctification. Folks, God has called us to let him make us servants that are submissive, separated, and set apart in his work. Let's pray. Father.
thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, I didn't finish the message, but I hope the message finished in our hearts. Lord, thank you for the prayer of sanctification for the disciples on that day that you prayed for them. And God, that John had enough sense to write it down so we could read it, so we could meditate on it, so we could pray over it and say, Dear God, help us to be a sanctified disciple, not easily offended, not quitting every five minutes, not going back to the world, not living another life on Thursday than we do on Wednesday nights, but sanctified through your truth, through your spirit, through the calling upon our life to be like you.